0: Hi, Fina. Um, I'm hanging out with a girlfriend today, Loanne, Um, Hey, who's joining us from Sarnia, Ontario. Uh, Loanne is an incredible woman who I got to know a few years ago when we were visiting Sarnia and then we've just kind of kept in touch online. Um, But part of us having this conversation today is we have been watching all of the lovely conversations online and social media and news outlets around one of the new kids' movies, Turning Red by Pixar. Um, and it seems to have created quite an uproar. And it's just, it, it's been a very interesting thing to be witness to. And as both having watched it with our kids, we have a few thoughts around it. So we wanted to just chat about it today. Um, so a little bit about Loanne. Incredible woman. She is a business owner in Sarnia. Started a business during COVID, which is no small feat. Also while raising four incredible vivacious uh, children. And yeah, and so... <laughs> Uh, part of Loanne's story is she is a first-generation immigrant in Canada. Um, she has immigrated from Malaysia and is of can, um, Canadian, is of Chinese uh, origin. And so that's all, that's all going to play into part of our story today um, as we kind of chat through how Turning Red has impacted us and then just how we're feeling about all the rhetoric we're seeing kind of out and about. Um, so yeah, so Loanne, how did the movie stand out to you? Like, what stood out? How did you feel watching it?
1: Oh, I loved it. Like, I thought it was so nice to see, like, Toronto Mm
0: -hmm. in the movie,
1: and it being Toronto, as opposed to, like, oh, that's something you see in Toronto, but it's New York, right? So, like, the whole Canadian piece behind it, I loved it. Um, I loved that it was, like, a reflection of director Domishi's, like, childhood, Mm -hmm. and... Personally, it was like, I can relate to that. I've been downtown Toronto. I know those TTCs. Like, <laughs> I recognize some of the places in the movie. And it was it was really cool to see because it's like, even I remember as a kid, when you're growing up, you're like, I know that. I know that. I know that street. Right? And so it's like the fact that these landmarks of Toronto were so dominant and like purposely there. That was cool to see as someone who grew up in the Toronto Mississauga area.
0: Absolutely. I feel like we talk about this often, about how much representation matters, which is part of why Mm -hmm. this movie is so significant. But the representation of just a Canadian story and it being um, Toronto- specifically yeah. just felt really homey and I don't even watching it and the kids watching it. I'm like, Oh my goodness, there's a CN tower. There's the sky dome. There's yeah. like, you know, <laughs> the street cars that we like, we want to go riding on or whatever it is. And it just, it makes you feel like you're being, your
1: story is acknowledged. Yeah. Especially um, the fact that it was the sky dome. Like yes. that was totally childhood. Like even yes. now I struggle to call it by its new name. <laughs>
0: I also feel like the new name changes so many times between like the Skydome and the ACC. I'm just like, you're still the Skydome and the ACC to me.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yes. I don't, I don't, I don't know which new corporation has brought you over. (laughs) Exactly. Dear to my heart, these are what you are. (laughs) Yes.
0: Um, Okay. So the big part one of the big parts for me in the film was the fact that it was like the main line, like the star of the film was an asian family mm-hmm. specifically this asian daughter which i thought was so significant cuz okay so as much as i am east asian south asian oh my goodness south asian <laughs> <talk>. <laughs> um there is so many similarities in our in our like culture and in our upbringing and in the immigrant experience in general right mm-hmm. whether you're whether you're immigrating from Europe or you're immigrating um, from different parts of Asia. And so I think right off the bat, when the film opened and Mai you know, narrating and she talks yes. about a culture that is created around honor and honoring your parents and honoring your ancestors, but also how important it is to honor yourself. I was talking to a friend mm-hmm. and I'm like, oh my goodness, I'm already triggered in the first like 30 seconds.
1: Yes. Like the first line she says, you're like, why are you talking about me? <laughs> Yeah, and it's like yeah, that whole little monologue in the beginning. I was like, I feel like everyone that I grew up with would be like nodding their heads, like, "Yep, I get it." Like that's that's what growing up was.
0: A hundred percent, and it's a beautiful culture based around community and honor and all of that. But as mm-hmm. with all of our cultures, there's things we need to unpack. Right, we all come yep. up with stuff that. I don't want to carry into the next generation. And part of that is as much as I want to honor previous generations, what does it look like to honor myself? So already I was like, Mm -hmm. oh my goodness, I feel so seen and I feel so heard, which is not something I am used to seeing in so much of our current media. I remember even growing up and watching like Boy Meets World or whatever like the kids show was at the time being like, oh my goodness, these families are beautiful, but look nothing like my experience. Mm -hmm. And so it always in some way devalues my experience growing
1: up. Yeah, I think it was really impactful that Mm -hmm. this whole movie centers around an Asian family and that Mm -hmm. the, even like the background characters are so diverse that it's not just an Asian story, but it's like, it's a Toronto story. Um, And I thought that was really important because like you said, like watching things growing up, everyone is like light and fair skinned, blonde hair, maybe the occasional brown hair, but like still very light skinned Mm -hmm. um and i remember as a kid being like i would like blonde hair or like i want to have things that look more like the people i see on tv and that struggle of like (laughs) who am i versus who are they? But like, I want to be like them because they seem so successful, right? Even though they're like teenagers on TV, but like somehow they made it seem very successful and that is the life that I want, right? So I thought it was really cool that with Mm -hmm. Turning Red, she's like already addressed the whole issue of like, how do I honor my parents but also be myself? And -hmm. I thought that was an awesome storyline in the whole, from beginning to end where it's like, she starts off doing exactly as her mom says, like she's honoring her parents in that way. And even in that first scene um, at at the Daisy Mart where her friends are like, okay, but like every day is cleaning day at the temple. Like, why can't you just come do karaoke with us? And she's like, you can see the struggle where she's like, I wanna go karaoke with you, but I also need to do what my mom said because like, this is just how life is. Mm -hmm. And then like, as the movie progresses, And I guess, like, the panda allows her to, like, be more true to herself. Mm -hmm. Um, You can see how she's like, no, these are things that are important to me. And, like, as I respect you, mother, I need to respect myself and, like, do the things that make me me. But I also still love you. But I can't do all the things that you want me to do all the time. Absolutely. Yeah. Like, that brings me to, like, that scene with her father right before the ceremony where he's, like, is this you, like, in the video? And, like, she's mm-hmm. like, oh, I'll delete it. Because she's, like, so ashamed that she's, like, ruined the perfect daughter image of her, that her mom wanted. But her dad's like, no. Like, you can see he's, like, he holds that video protectively. And he's like, I like what you did here. Like, I can see how much fun you had. And, like, he sees his daughter for who she is. And, like, that scene, so powerful. Mm-hmm. Just to have, like, an authority figure say that to you and be like, oh yes, like validation.
0: Absolutely, and I think this all the time, right? As much as I want to be self-validated and be so mm-hmm. you know, um, happy with my identity and so like just confident in who I am, there is something about external validation. I think it's part of the conversation mm-hmm. we're having right now around pronouns, right? Why it's so important to validate somebody the way that they see themselves and yes. their experience. And so I just, I thought that was so powerful. Um, for her dad as like, you're right as the authority, fig- one of the authority figures in her life to be able to speak mm-hmm. that truth and just kind of call out the woman that she is. So, okay, I'm going to back up a minute. So I feel like there yeah. were lots of moments that really stood out to me. <laughs> yes. yeah. But yet we're watching this play out like in the social media world. And it feels like there's a lot of backlash, especially from parents around this movie. Why do you think that is?
1: Yeah, so I heard as like one of the big moments or mm-hmm. I don't know if it's a moment but like one of the big things that people or parents were upset about was mm-hmm. that the movie didn't come with a warning about the fact that they talk about periods. <laughs> and so as a woman, I would like to say this is nothing to do with like sexuality. I don't think any woman would say their period is sexy. <laughs> Like, it's usually the worst, the worst time.
0: Like, you just want to get over that.
1: Yes. Yeah. Like, how sexy do you feel while you have cramps and don't even want to go about your day? (laughs) And, like, do anything. Like, don't even want to roll out of bed. Like, yep, that's all about sexuality, right? So, anyways, (laughs) I'm going off topic. No, I love it. I think it's part of it. Yeah. Like, I think the main thing that I would say in response to those parents is that you probably should have had that conversation with your child before they were close to that age. Or even if you don't have a child that is going to bleed, you should still have that conversation because they're going to have peers that have menstruation and they should know what to do to help them if that's the case. Like, I loved the support of the, the four girls. Like, when yeah. when they came to see May at her house when after she turned into a panda and they're like mm-hmm. knocking on her window and they're like, Are you okay? We thought you died of embarrassment. Yeah. But here's some extra pads, right? Like so they're not over there to support her, to see her if she's okay, but like they even brought her supplies, right? Like mm-hmm. that's going an extra step. And like being an awesome friend and so like that's something that like you should teach your kids right like even if you're not the one dealing with this annoying bleeding like someone else is and like maybe offer them an extra sweater to cover up if they've like had an accident or like or, like, be, like, you can get a pad from the school nurse or something. I don't know if they still do that. But, like, <laughs> but like yeah. here are some supplies, right? Like, here's where you can get help. Or, like, I can be a safe person for you, like, if you mm-hmm. need that. I, I love that. And I know, like, even our kids'
0: schools, they ha- in certain bathrooms, they have just pads and tampons readily available. Mm-hmm. Which I love that. Because sometimes there's embarrassment as a kid even going to ask, right? But yeah. I love when you said um, maybe they'll even offer an extra sweater. I in high school, you know, had a day when it came and I wasn't expecting it and I was bleeding more than I thought I was. And I had a girlfriend give me her hoodie, which was so meaningful for me. Cause I'm like, I am a mess. It's the last period of the day. And she like, you know, gave up her hoodie for me. And it just, it felt so Meaningful to know that I wasn't alone in that store. In mm-hmm. you know, my embarrassment and someone was there for me and someone was being empathetic. And I find it so interesting how periods have become so centralized, right? Like I have mm-hmm. a four and a six-year-old. So granted, they're younger and um, their life experience is different. What I you know, I, I understand when as kids get older, there are different things you're navigating. I will be honest. I get zero privacy from these two little people, oh, which is, yeah. right? So I'm in the bathroom, they're in the bathroom with me, they've seen yep. the blood, they've asked the questions. We've had the conversations from the time they were 18 months old, not, you know, like they know how my biology
1: works that once Yeah, know. Like, and like, I know some people are like, how am I supposed to explain this to like a two year old or a four year old? It's like, well, use small words, right? Like use words yeah. within their vocabulary so that they understand it. And you don't have to go into like the full explanation of biology and how it works. Like, Mm -hmm. who is it? Like, I think it's my six-year-old. Like one time he's like, mom, why are you still in there? Like, how long is this going to be? What is taking you so long? And so I had to explain to him kind of like what I was doing. And I'm like, this is a menstrual cup." This is what it does. Yeah. Um, and he's like, why are you bleeding? Do you need a Band-Aid? And Which is like, so oh, But
0: like, I love that. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So, like, anyways, the first time it happened, he was just, like, listening. And he's like, I don't. Okay. So, you just bleed? Because I don't. Like, I think what I said was, like, anytime I don't have a baby in my body, my body bleeds to prepare for a baby just Absolutely. in case. Yes. So, like. I think that's literally all I said. And so it's Mm -hmm. like, it happens every once in a while. And like, I just have to deal with it when it happens. And he was like, okay, so you don't have a baby. And like, no. And he's like, okay. And so then like the next day it was morning again. And he came in to like get himself ready for the day. And I'm in there at the same time. And he's like, what are you doing? And I'm like the same thing as yesterday. And he's like, why are you still bleeding? (laughs) Like, are you okay? And I was like, yeah, this happens for like, I don't know, like four to seven days, depending Mm -hmm. on the person Mm -hmm. or the whatever. And he's like four to seven days. How are you not dying? And I'm like, that's a good question, right? Great (laughs) question. But yeah, like, so like my six year old gets it. And like, every once in a while, he'll, if like I'm in the washroom for a long time and someone else is like, where's mom? He'll be like, Stealing with the baby blood
0: <laughs> oh my goodness i love that <laughs> i love that like you're teaching your children that from a young age because i think it creates awareness and then mm-hmm. it creates empathy right like okay so i yeah, have a sure. pleasure when i'm in a grumpy mood i end up on like reddit's am I the a-hole thread <laughs> love it but the amount of times i find a male in there complaining they're like i just bought my girlfriend a new dress and we went for it sorry i should emulate their voice, but I still, you know, bought my girlfriend a new dress for, for a date and then she got her period and she ruined the dress. And like, why can't she plan better? I don't understand. And I'm like, this is the problem. You don't understand. Uh, like we've had separate health classes for so long that you've actually mm-hmm. missed a big part of anatomy. Anyways. So I feel like that is a point of frustration for me because I'm like, we have kids shows and movies all the time that make jokes about periods. Um, but they'll make jokes at the expense of the female, right? So it's like, oh, mm-hmm. like mom's mom's like emotional for like this week. Just stay away from her, yeah. and like that. We're okay with so frustrating, right? But when we're actually talking about the realities that, uh, women or children and or girls are experiencing, then all of a sudden that's taboo. Like, and I don't even think mm-hmm. we said like the word period is mentioned in the movie. I think the idea of no, like, so they a use red the peony. word
1: has your red peony bloomed? Yes, yes. Like I yes. think. <laughs> Like, they used a euphemism, so, like, you don't have to worry about it. Like, no. you could... But I'm glad that they made it away so you couldn't skip over it, because she's like, here are all the paths! Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. also, as... Even if you were not an immigrant, whatever, if you had a uterus at any point in your childhood... I'm pretty sure someone has embarrassed you by showing up with pads because you forgot them, and that, so that is relatable, right? Like
0: a hundred percent. Oh my god! Well, like, I've had to even get through my own shame around periods, right? Like when Mark, my, mm-hmm. my husband, will go to you know, Shoppers for me. I'm like, what do you mean you did double bag it? And he's like, why does it matter to you that it's double bagged? I'm like, oh yeah, like okay. It's a
1: really good question, Mark. <laughs> um and good for him to be like not be ashamed right like so many people like if you're mentioning reddit it's like people will be like i went to the store because my girlfriend told me to buy whatever and then they were like ashamed but then it's like other people are like i bought one of everything because i Mm -hmm. had no idea what she needed and then everyone's like good for you like double a forever (laughs) so good like yeah oh yeah
0: um okay so I feel like there's the issues around sexuality piece where it's like, oh my goodness, we're talking about menstruation. We're talking about puberty. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's the other complaints that I'm seeing, you know, there was a specifically one reporter who found the film just not relatable.
1: Completely to him. unrelatable. <laughs> yes,
0: therefore, you know, this movie is garbage because it is not relatable. Granted, I'm paraphrasing.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I feel like Pretty there's close, though. so much to un- <laughs> Right there. Um, that's what we're seeing. And I think this conversation is actually incredibly timely in lieu of like, we're, cel- we're not celebrating, but we are remembering one year ago, there was mm-hmm. a huge anti-Asian, like racist shooting, right? Where eight women yep. were killed in a in a massage parlor. And so I just, I think the two actually go in tandem. Maybe we can unpack that a little bit more as to how those two, like that comment and then the, sh- like, the shooting actually yeah. play into each other.
1: Yeah. So okay. I think... Just from reading or hearing the comment that it was completely unrelatable, Mm -hmm. even without knowing who wrote it, you can assume that this person did not have a uterus, Mm -hmm. this person is not an immigrant, Mm -hmm. and I don't know, maybe grew up in a different (laughs) environment that was more like exactly the way they were. Mm -hmm. Um, so that's already, like, several pieces that you're like, maybe you weren't the target audience of this movie, and Mm -hmm. I think that should be okay, and you should probably get used to the fact that not everything is made for you, because there are different people in the world who have different life experiences and Mm -hmm. relate to different things, and so it's really nice for them that this was there.
0: It's, it's just such an interesting shift, even in terms of marketing, right? Because like, I know, mm-hmm. like, so Mark loves, my husband loves to read marketing stuff. It's his thing. Um, and one <laughs> of like, the stats around marketing is you want to, like your target audience is like a male who is 20 to 40, because if you catch them, mm-hmm. you're catching everybody, which itself I think is a, is a fallacy. Um, yeah.
1: Honestly, if that was the case, I feel like the target market should be the non-male person of the household because they buy everything for everyone else in that house (laughs) like if you get that person on board all the children are like sucked into it anyway because they have their choice (laughs) yeah
0: absolutely absolutely no (laughs) it is very true we had a conversation recently mark was like wait, what? We buy what? Like, we buy what from where? And I'm like, oh my goodness. I love it. This totally Um,
1: reminds me of another immigrant movie from our childhood. um, Yeah. The My Big Fat Greek Wedding. Oh my goodness. Okay. Love it. Loved it. The whole Windex thing. Hilarious. Mm -hmm. But also I like, this is one of the things that stood out to me is like when the mom talks about how like I think it was like how I think the main character talks like how do you how do you relate to the dad right or like how do you let him say all these things and when the mom goes the man might be the head of the household but the woman is the neck and she turns the head however she wants and I was (laughs) like what (laughs) I you know what I love
0: is you like in that story or even in turning right you see these women who are just so empowered so even though you're in a misogynistic, patriarchal culture, you are finding your <laughs> way um, to speak your truth, right? And to be bold <laughs> and to be courageous. So, even part of the negativity I've seen around this film, I'm skipping ahead a little bit, is you know, you see the father as like a very docile, childlike figure who makes no decisions. And so, I, but I do think that is a ramification of coming from a culture where men are more valued right? For so long, so many cultures had like the one child rule. And even like an in Indian culture, we mm-hmm. still, we celebrate when boys are born, not when girls are born,
1: right? Mm-hmm. And so you have
0: this culture where you're then trying to take your power back and you're figuring out what that balance is again, yeah. right? And so actually, like, I look at a mother who is strong in that way. And I'm like, oh, like one, it's a trauma response. And two, like, it's actually empowering the way that you are running your household and running a business in terms of like owning a temple and marketing it to mm-hmm. the you know to the community you're living in. But that is me jumping ahead. <laughs> this is
1: like—is how my conversations go? Where I'm like, all yeah, over. but that's just how things are, right? There's so many things that tie in together. It's hard to be like, we're talking just about this because no. like there are all these other factors that come mm-hmm. into play, and like you kind of want to touch on it. But also not like forget what we were talking about.
0: (laughs) Absolutely, because they all relate. So this is my point of frustration, I think, with watching all the reviews come out is you're right. Like people realizing that they are not the target audience, but also Mm -hmm. how long have we grown up watching things where we were not represented? And yeah. you're okay with that, right? Like, not you're okay with that, but in some ways it's like, okay. You like kind of just live, or, with it. Exactly. You live with it. And you're learning about other people's stories. Like watching my big fat Greek wedding, I'm like, oh, I can like learn about Greek culture and see mm-hmm. how it relates to mine and the similarities and the differences. And there's a beauty in that. It's creating yeah. like empathy,
1: right? Like making um, connections and like seeing the humanness of the other people that are different from you. Yes.
0: Absolutely. I think even in the kids' literary space right now, you have a vast percentage of books, like authors and publishers would rather publish a book about an animal than oh, about yes. a colored child, child of color, or with a female main character. Like the-
1: Yeah. I think the stats on that is ridiculous. I it is. I think like 80% for the animal and like 2% for anyone who wasn't a white child. No.
0: Yeah, 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 absolutely. And if it is a female-based f- book, right, then it's like Pinkalicious, and I'm not judging on Pinkalicious. Like we love mm-hmm. Pinkalicious in my house, but it's it's not. It's ve- it still is one very specific gender yes. stereotype, right? It's very like princess yeah. very very. Well, anyways, so I just think there's there's an upset in the market where people are like, okay. Like I'm not the target audience, or I am not, you know, the center of mm-hmm. the existence. Um, yeah. But it also like, okay, so one of the moments when, this is like one of the most powerful moments for me and I almost missed it. Like my brother had to like rehash it with me when the mom was telling Mai Mai about the gift of the red panda, right? How their ancestor Mm -hmm. had asked to be the red panda, like asked the the gods to be a red panda, which itself was a trauma response and like a protection mechanism. It's because like all the men were off at war and no one was there to protect her family. And so she needed to protect Mm -hmm. them. And so, you know, she was making do with what she had. Um, and so the mom was explaining it to my mind. She's like, so what started as a blessing in our family, as we started a new life in Canada, it became like an inconvenience. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, so I'm a second generation um, immigrant. My parents immigrated to Canada, had me here, but that just landed in so many ways of how many things that are beautiful about my culture have become an inconvenience as a you know Canadian child that I've tried to hide for, or I, I in my past, mm-hmm. it's so often. Right. And so it was such a good conversation, even with my son to be like, he, like, what are things about our culture? You know, and like Grayson is, um, half French Canadian and half Indian Canadian. And just his experience of like, what are things about your culture that you find to be an inconvenience, or maybe that's an embarrassment. And, you know, one of the things is he'll go out, he'll he, he's obsessed with Indian food. Having this mm. conversation earlier. And so he, for school, if he's going to eat his lunch, <clears throat> it has to be Indian food. And so he's gotten comments about the food he eats. And
1: That's
0: it's, awesome. It's, it is. <laughs> it's like, child, live your life. Like, he's so happy. Um, but it feels like an inconvenience, but something that he's not hiding, which I love that about him because I, as Mm -hmm. a child, refused to take Indian food because it was an inconvenience that was embarrassing to me. It was something I needed to hide. Um, And there's something so powerful about that statement and how I felt like it represented so much of the immigrant experience of Mm -hmm. what beautiful things about our families did we come to a country, to a new country, and then feel became inconveniences and embarrassments and things we began to hide
1: yeah like i can totally relate to that whole food story because Mm. i remember like my mom used to pack me whatever she was making for dinner for lunch um Mm. and i think there's one time my dad made noodles and it was like these amazing brown noodles in some sauce and that's like one of my favorite things and i remember one of the kids i don't even know who it was but like some kid at lunch was like ew what are you eating are those worms And I was like, Mm -hmm. and never again did I bring those to school because I didn't (sighs) want to deal with that, right? And so the fact that that stuck with me, I made sure that my kids liked those brown noodles (laughs) and tried them. And I was like, I need you to love this so that you make your own decisions about it and, like, be comfortable with this and, like... I think it's good that like now my kids are like, I want to eat this. and like, this mm-hmm. is what I want to eat. I don't care what anyone says. This is what I want. And I'm like, this is amazing. And I, I think the that. fact that like our society has kind of been more open to different foods mm-hmm. um, is also helpful because like, I think it was someone mentioned to me like a while back, there was a movie. Oh, I was watching <laughs> Seth Rogen and David Chang on Netflix. Um, they were talking about... Um, <laughs> What's that? I don't know. There's some movie that was really like a classic. Maybe it was like that the teenager movie. I don't know. Anyways, so they're talking about this one scene where like Molly Ringwald eats sushi at, in high school. And yes. us, so like us watching it now, we're like, oh, whatever. She's eating sushi. But like at the time... It was shocking because no one knew what sushi was in North America. And so I remember Seth Rogen brought up that point because he grew up in Vancouver. And so to him and his sister, it wasn't a big deal because they were exposed to it. But other people were talking about the movie like, what on earth is this weird stuff that smells like fish? And then he's like, and it was really interesting to see his perspective because he is a white man Mm -hmm. say like, I don't know why this is weird. Like, this is just life. Mm -hmm. And so it was really interesting to see, like, an opposite kind of reaction to it. Um, But, yeah, I think I'm getting a little off topic. What I was trying to say is I'm loving the fact that people are okay with different foods now. And, like, you can bring whatever you want to school. And people, for the most part, have nothing bad to say. Because they're like, yeah, I had that when I went out for dinner the other day. I love it, yeah. Like, and it's awesome that we've, we've made that step in the last... 20, 20, 30 years.
0: Mm-hmm. No, it's mm-hmm. so, so true. Um, I, and I, I and I think actually your business in Sarnia is doing a great job of actually exposing people to new foods because um, I think <laughs> food is such a, like a, it's such a touch point for us. I think like when we can relate over food, it gives us space to mm-hmm. relate over so many other things and to build relationship and empathy. I yeah. Going back to empathy, but I think that's such a big part of
1: well, it. Well, empathy is important. <laughs>
0: It is. Okay. So we have had a heavy last three years, right? From George mm-hmm. Floyd's murder to all the anti Asian racism to the murdering of, you know, eight women at the spa last year. Um, so it is very, like, I feel like we're in a cultural moment where we are very aware of our biases, unconscious or conscious, mm-hmm. and that we are living in a system and structure that was created on white privilege. Right. Yep. And, um, and I'm not saying that in an offensive manner. I'm just saying it like we are a colonized nation that was built around white values.
1: Right. Yeah. And because, like, if you that look at Canada, the dominant culture, it is by force.
0: By force, exactly. It wasn't right. If you read our <laughs> doctrines of discovery, Canada, like the people that you know came to Canada, came in, and their mandate was we are going to colonize this land, and anybody that is not a white Christian is someone that we have grounds to um, conquer and colonize. So that mm-hmm. is the culture we have come from, right? And that is then created this marketing network where our white men from 10 to, or 20 to 30 are our target audience. And then we have a movie coming out like this, that goes like it go, like flies in the face of all of that. It centers a female story, it centers mm-hmm. an immigrant story. Um, And then we see people in uproar about it, all of a sudden things that didn't bother them in other movies, like, oh, the the child is disrespectful to her parents, Um, (laughs) isn't disrespectful, like all of it, like no one talked about like Moana or Cinderella or like Frozen or any like disrespect that happened there. No one complained about it. But all of a sudden here you have this Asian girl being disrespectful Mm -hmm. and people are up in arms. Why do you think that is?
1: I don't remember what the term is because there definitely is one, but I think Mm -hmm. it has something to do with, oh, dissonance. Uh, Basically, it's, there's something bothering you because it's not quite what you're used to. And so Mm -hmm. you need, you need to blame something, right? And Mm -hmm. so because you can't quite name the thing that is bothering you. And I think in this situation, it's the fact that it's a completely different person, that is centered in this story, um, you need to pick on certain things that you do recognize and use that as the reason for why something is bad or wrong mm-hmm. or like terrible, so yeah. they're picking on the fact that mei has disrespected her mother by not obeying her every wish. Mm-hmm. Um, but in reality, there are so many other movies and TV shows or whatever where like young children talk back to their parents all the time yeah and there are so many things where like my kids are watching something on tv and i'm like i don't like this yeah (laughs) right yeah and it's like fine we will continue to watch it because the rest of this episode shows where they make up and apologize (laughs) for their behavior But I still don't like, (laughs) but it's not like I'm like full on, you can't watch the show anymore because they talked back to their parents and like, they went out and did things they weren't supposed to do. Like, I feel like that's kind of part of childhood and I'm half expecting that to happen to my kids anyway. Like, I think it's part of growing up and like, I think this story in Turning Red is about growing up and like finding Mm -hmm. yourself and your boundaries and like, like literally the first whole monologue in the movie. It's like, how do you respect your parents? while still being true to yourself, right? Like, I don't know why that whole thing got skipped because they kind of gave a thesis statement at the beginning of the movie and then the whole movie is that, right? So I think because certain people have not been able to relate to a 13-year-old Chinese-Canadian girl, they're now Mm -hmm. picking on disrespect of parents because that is something that they can relate to. So it's something that they can name and... I think sometimes being able to just name something makes this dissonance go away. Yeah. And so then they're like, we're just going to pick on that. And that's, that's the thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think
0: I, I love how you just talked about naming it because language has power. Right. And sometimes mm-hmm. just bringing that into the light breaks down that power. Yeah. One of the things that really stuck out, stuck up to me in this process is we talked a little bit about like this model minority idea mm-hmm. um, and this idea that is, still very much part of racism right <laughs> where there are certain cultures that you have expectations about because they're going to be the model minority they're going to be the ones mm-hmm. who are become the doctors of your nation they're going to like you know they're going to be obedient and subservient and you know like well they came to this nation and they didn't like cause a fuss well yeah. there's a whole lot to unpack there about all of these nations and the colonized mm-hmm. like i think of okay I can, I can speak about myself so i come from an indian nation an indian country um it was a colonized nation, right? As a culture. So part of what we're still unpacking is when you have a group of people who come in and colonize and oppress your land, what does that do to your identity? What does that do to your psyche? Um, and mm-hmm. the abilities like the, the self, confidence that you have your ability to assert yourself and then so you continue to live from that place and i'm not saying this about everybody but i think it is part of our generational trauma is then you carry that identity of being less Mm -hmm. than with you and so then everything you do it's like well i need to be the best at it because i'm still trying to prove myself to myself right because it's so ingrained in my dna now that i am less than and worthless and so and then you move to a culture or to a place like canada where that value set or that like little hole or pigeonhole, I don't know, you continue to get <laughs> yeah. pigeonholed, right? Um, and so then I think part of what I'm realizing people are finding so frustrating about watching this is you see a woman who is Asian, you see a girl who already is supposed to be quiet um, and subservient and demure or whatever like mm-hmm. rendered cultural stereotypes you want to throw on this, who is standing up for herself, Yeah. who is coming into her own, who is not sacrificing everything for her family's Mm -hmm. respect. And I think there's something so powerful that happens there. Um, when she stands up and she stands in her truth. And so I think unconsciously it is rubbing people the wrong way. Mm -hmm. Um, And I know just even like, so as a woman of color, like my emotion rubs people the wrong way at times. Right. (laughs) And that's like, as like a woman who's Brown. Like how often do our like women who are sisters, our sisters who are black get, get, um, in trouble for being the angry Black woman, right? Like, Mm -hmm. I think emotion coming from women often is an affront to the ideologies people have consciously or unconsciously about, like, the places and spaces we should fit into. So I just think it's so interesting how people's anger around this movie, whether it's sexuality, whether it's, like, teenage rebellion or whatever it is, is actually so much of our own cultural baggage that we have to unpack about, like how often, like, we have centered white male voices for so long that now seeing the Mm -hmm. opposite in play has everybody's backs up.
1: Yeah. And, like, with what you were saying, like, the fact that it's a female at all, I don't know Mm -hmm. if her race adds to this anger, but, like, I think, like, when you're saying, like, the centered, the center is, like, the white male perspective Even white females at certain situations are expected to be quiet, right? And, like, subservient to the male. And, like, that's the patriarchy that everything was built on. So, like, that's, like, one tick right there to be, like, I don't like it because it's not what I was grown and, like, raised to believe, right? Mm -hmm. Or, like... There's just so many things to play here. And so I think like the fact that it's a she who is speaking up for herself is something that could tick people off. The fact that she's Asian and not white is a second thing to be like, how dare she feel like she has any right to speak up for herself Mm -hmm. because she lives in Canada, right? But like, and I feel like what you were saying earlier about like coming from like a colonized nation to another colonized nation Mm -hmm. it's kind of like this really large i don't even know if it's generational or just like the whole country has this idea that's enveloped them and like i think when you grow up in a country or come from a country that has been colonized from the past at some point those things are also like systemic right so the same way that there's systemic racism in canada there's systemic racism in the countries that were colonized by britain Yeah. and it's like even though those countries have now like adopted it or like have are no longer under british rule or whatever those systems are still in place and so it's like you grow up thinking that britain or anyone who kind of looks like britain is the goal right like 100% that's where we should aim for which is why like That's why you try so hard to get out of that country that you came from, to move to another country that is similar to that white Mm -hmm. aura, right? And then you move here in Canada and you're trying to be great and you're trying to fit in and not bring attention to yourself because you want to do well in this new country, either for yourself or for your family. And so you're aiming still for this, like, I don't know what you want to call it, like amazing pedestal persona Mm -hmm. that has been so ingrained into like an entire country that Mm -hmm. you might not even realize it so like when people are listening to this it's like we're not trying to say that all white people are bad it's the fact that like whiteness has been ingrained in so many of our immigrant countries that even as immigrants or people of color we still aim for whiteness without even Um. realizing it Yeah. And it's like one of those unconscious biases that like we kind of mentioned briefly, but it's like a lot of people of color don't even realize this is something that we we Mm -hmm. aim for because we were so, like it's so ingrained in us and it's so ingrained in our parents that like without even realizing that is what's happening. Like if you think about what's happening in Asia, like that's why there are bleaching creams and like yes. lightening yeah. your hair and like yep. doing all these things to look more unlike how you were born. But you're like, oh no, I'm doing it for myself because that's what I want, right? And you're like, sure, partially that might be your own decision. That's what you want to do. But like, why is that the goal, Yeah, right? And it goes back to like hundreds of years ago, maybe even more recent than that. Like mm-hmm. someone from a white country came and colonized your country and then they made the rules and the government. And then now you live under that history and you believe that's the way it is. And because we don't really name it anymore, you don't realize that that's still there behind every decision that you make.
0: It's so true. And colorism and shadeism is so real, right? Like I, Mm -hmm have been given fair and lovely creams to bleach my skin. I went for a facial before I got married at an Indian salon. And of course I'm being bleached, right? Like um, Mm. how often, so I am married to a French Canadian man. So my children are these beautiful mixes. One is more light skin than the other. How often do I get comments about how more beautiful the other one is because she's fairer? Right? Like it's still such an ideal and I and I have to be honest that I have to own my own internalized racism around this. Right? Like you were talking about as a child wanting to be blonde. I remember praying in grade three, like, God, like if you just made me white and blonde, like mm-hmm. I'd be fine. Like it would solve all my problems.
1: Yeah. It's I like, know. I wouldn't have to change anything else about myself. People right? would just accept me for who I am.
0: Right? And I think like, have you seen love is blind? Okay. No. Okay. need to go on a whole love is blind. <laughs> But the internalized racism that's playing out on, like, a global scale is so real. And I have to be aware of my own stuff, right? Because I look at, like, Sheik, Abhi Shake, Abby Shake mm-hmm. in the show, and I'm so mad at him. But I'm like, this is also my own internalized racism that I'm angry at you as a brown man. Because, like, you haven't unpacked your stuff, but there's stuff of my own that I need to unpack, right? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, no, I love that you're talking about the system instructor, and the history of how all of this and um, it came to be. But, okay, I feel like... I can't believe how quickly time has flown. I love that we just get yeah. to chat and have this conversation in an unfiltered way because I think so many people are asking the same questions that we're asking. Um, and in no way is this a perfect conversation or does it cover everything, but I think just watching the negativity around this film led to the conversations that we're having today, right? Around misogyny, mm-hmm. patriarchy, um, and just like a white centered um, space. And so. Maybe to end off, is there a scene or something about the movie that gives you hope moving forward, just even as, like, a mother of four, like, children who are Asian growing up in this space?
1: Yeah, I think, think like, one of the end scenes where all the females in May's family go past the portal again to become human and to Mm -hmm. get rid of their pandas and lock them up, her mom, like, passes over the thing and then she, like, turns around and talks to her and, like, I don't even know what words she says because every time I watch it, I just tear up. So like Mm -hmm. no longer can hear what's happening on TV, but like just watching it, like I can tell, like, I hear like the last line, which is like, the further you go, the prouder I'll be. And Mm -hmm. I feel like that was so emotional and like so So heavy, but in a good way Mm -hmm. Um, where it's like the mom kind of has, unpacked a bit of her trauma with her own relationship with her mom. And she's realizing she doesn't want to pass that on to the relationship she has with Mei Lin. And so the fact that they have this like moment where she's like, I have things to deal with of my own that I need to figure out. And I recognize that now. And I'm sorry if I put that on you yeah. and I don't want to put that on you. So I want you to like live your life, how you want to be, I thought that was super powerful. Like mm-hmm. the fact that I don't even know what words she says because yeah. I just start crying at yeah. that moment. It's and it's so- like, yeah, like, I don't want to do that to my kids either. Right. And it's like, I still have to figure out what issues I might have with my parents. And yeah. it's like. I don't know. I feel like it's okay. But like, I'm pretty sure there's not. (laughs) So it's like, you want to make sure you you raise your own kids in a way where you're not putting your ideals on them, or like trying to live your life through them, because you didn't get to or whatever, whatever reasons it is, but it's Mm -hmm. like just building that safe relationship with them so that they do feel like they can talk to you and be who they want to be without feeling like they need to hold that back because you have certain expectations for them.
0: Yeah. yeah. I think that's so powerful. I love that. Um, my favorite scene from the movie came from the same, like came from the ending. And cause I, I am similar. I'm like, I know there's still stuff I have to unpack about my own family of origin, about my culture of origin, about my own like internalized, like legalism. If you want to talk about like my faith experience, like all of it, there's so much I need to unpack that, um I don't want to pass on to my kids and there's things Mm -hmm. I want to pass on to my kids, but like my husband and I constantly joke, we're like, forget saving for like your post-secondary education. Let's (laughs) save for counseling. We're doing doing our taxes right now and I'm like, oh my goodness, the amount I spent on counseling last year. It's great. But there's a moment where mei sees her mom crying on the other side of the portal, mm-hmm. but her mom is a child. Yep. And she goes and she walks over and her mom's lamenting like her broken relationship with her mom, which mm-hmm. just gives us context about her mom's own trauma and the way she learned to function in the way that she did as a protective mechanism. The way she mm-hmm. was so harsh on mei was her own body's attempt to protect herself right, yeah. and protect her daughter. But then you see mei who has created secure attachment relationships with her friends, right? Not mm-hmm. even in her own family of origin, not in her nuclear family, but with her friends, that she feels safe enough that she can yeah. control her big emotions. Which that mm-hmm. itself was a whole conversation in our house. Oh, oh yeah, big emotions <laughs> in our house, right? Um, but so she felt safe enough to, uh, to control her own emotions, so that she was able to take that healing and that help that she had and walk her mom. Forward and to me, like mm-hmm. it was such a beautiful image of how our children can help heal our own inner ch- child, right? And I know mm-hmm. my children have been so healing to me. And even as we talk about, like you know, um, the trauma of colonization, and you know that just how it has affected us being first generation, second generation immigrant children, and all of that, I see our kids. And they're going to have their own stuff to figure out, mm-hmm. but there's so much healing that they already have because what of what we've worked through. And just because of the independent characters that they are, Right? Mm-hmm. that I see them being able to walk us forward and walk us forward as a culture and as a community um, into wholeness and into healing, into hopefully a more holistic space where it's not about white-centered stories or male-centered stories, or but all stories have yes. value and have power. Um, and we're able to see that from a space of love and empathy. And so, I just the end of the movie gave me so much hope about the world mm-hmm. that we are living in and hopefully leaving for the next generation. So, yeah, it, it's it's been a roller coaster just with the movie alone.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah. But Lohan, thank you so much for hanging out and for just chatting and unpacking and sharing your own heart and your own like vulnerabilities and authentic, like in such an authentic way. So thank you. Like I just,
1: yeah, so thank you for asking time. me to do this. This is great.
0: I really, really <laughs> enjoyed it. All right. Uh-huh.